0: You're listening to the Lenses podcast from Shades Mountain Baptist Church, engaging the world through the lens of the gospel. For more information and resources, visit shades.org lenses. Three initiatives that we believe that are going to help us to engage the community. The first one is supporting institutions. And you heard Danny talk about this past uh, past Sunday about nine community engagement teams. Now, we're going to launch five of those this spring and we're going to launch an additional four of those this fall. And we're going to be going after a specific either institutions the community or uh, groups within the community that we feel like we can do something to support. The first one is that first responders group right there. Um, we've got a great team already working that way and are looking to add to that team. Now, this is a group of individuals that are seeking to work with our Vestavia Hills Police and Fire Department and also with uh, some of our public service workers as well. Burke Swearingen is heading up that team. and So far, it's been amazing to see, and I'll tell you about just a little bit about what he's been able to do with the Vestavia Hills Police Department. Then also we got our health care advocates, and again, we're not opening a clinic, but what we are looking to do is to walk with individuals that are in health crisis that have no support system. How many of you in your families have had somebody that's walked through a health crisis before. Anybody anybody here in your family, okay, all right? And you know how difficult that can be on that individual and the logistics that goes with that and trying to get to the benefits that they need and trying to interpret what the doctor is saying to them and trying to get everything on the same page. It's a stressful environment. Now imagine being in that battle alone and not having somebody there with you. And so we're going to be uh, launching a healthcare advocates team to reach out to people in the community to help them walk through that not just emotionally and physically but also spiritually as well. Our neighborhood team, this is going to be led by Sean and Sarah Huffnagel and this is where we're going to train people to get into their community, into their neighborhood and to do neighborhood ministry. And so if you want to do a neighborhood gathering or a block party, we'll train you up on how that works and we'll have resources available that you can get uh, get some resources here from the church to put that together and then We'll help you identify other Shades members that live close by you to help you in this effort, and then you'll have the opportunity to have this gathering maybe a couple times a year, a few times a year, and then hopefully off that build relationships with your neighbors, ultimately leading to spiritual conversations. Shades hosts, we have thousands of people that come on our campus each and every year for choir uh, for, for choir, uh, programs or for um, orchestra things or Christmas events or pinning ceremonies and so these pe- folks are coming on our campus they're in our facility they're right there and so what we're going to do is have a team of about 20-25 to 25 people to welcome those folks as they come on our campus to greet them to give them information about our church if they are interested and also to provide them with a small gift especially for like middle school students to give them a small gift to say we're glad that you're here um, tonight so that'll be our shades host and then prayer walking okay now, you remember, if you were here on Sunday, you saw that box from Homewood to Rossbridge, Liberty Park, and North Shelby. That's where the vast majority of our church membership is. And our hope is that this team will be able to walk every walkable street in that box and pray over it and ask for God's anointing and God's blessing and his awakening in our community. And now I say every walkable street. We're not putting anybody out there on 459 and be like dodging cars, that kind of thing, or, We're going to be out there and trying to pray and ask God to move in our community. And then in the fall, we'll be launching some more. We're really excited. Um, You heard Danny say this, um, that we are going to be adopting uh, Vestavia Hills East Elementary School. And we are, as of this morning, uh, kind of narrowed it down to a handful of Hoover schools that we're looking to adopt uh, as well uh, in this coming fall and so we'll have some school teams that'll launch this fall and a few other teams as well. Then I also want to tell you a little bit about where we're already at with our Vestavia Hills uh, Police Department. Uh, Burke's leading this team and it's been amazing how receptive they've been. And Sometimes we wonder in a well-funded part of the community where are the needs really at right? Well you may or may not know but the Vestavia Hills Police Department didn't have a police foundation we were shocked to find out about this. Well, police foundation is what happens is people can donate into a fund where if an officer is injured in the line of duty or if there's a financial crisis or if there's an issue like, you know, right now there's a, uh, an officer that has a, a, a spouse that is uh, ill and struggling through some things, and you can't give taxpayer money to any of those issues because of all the red tape tied up into it. So that's why police foundations exist. And a lot of the major police departments have them in this area but Vestavia Hills doesn't and so Burke has been able to work with some different folks and we're getting a police foundation up off the ground to help out our VHPD and also uh, we're having some of their um, some of our finest into our members homes to greet them and to get to know them for their neighbors to get to know them as well we're bringing meals and doing lots of different things there so God is already opening up and I'm really excited that this week we'll have four of our own members that are going to apply to be police chaplains uh, with the VHPD and we'll have some other um, members that will be available to do that in the coming days. so God's up opening up doors all around us to get into the community and to do this whole idea of supporting institutions through these nine community engagement teams. Now, not only that, but we also, you heard Danny talk about replanting or planting churches, starting new works. We're looking to start new works as part of this community engagement thing. And that really means launching leaders and teams to locations in need of gospel-proclaiming, Bible-teaching church that will impact that corner of the community. Now, I know what you're thinking. Birmingham has more churches per capita than any other city in the southeastern United States. So why do we need one more church, or do we need to go and help out one more church in this whole idea of starting new work? So I'm going to show you a map here real quick. This comes to us from the Intercultural Institute of Contextual Ministry. This is a group that does um, survey work for the North American Mission Board, that does work for us um, uh, for the Alabama Baptist uh, Convention as well. And they have supplied this map that you can go online to Impact Alabama and find this. But I want you to look wherever there is a red dot, not immediately underneath it, but in the area directly surrounding it, it means in those neighborhoods there is 66 to 70% unchurched. Or if you look where there's a purple dot, it kind of looks a little bluish on the screen there, it's 71 to 75% unchurched. And it's amazing to me. Sometimes we think to ourselves, how could that be possible with so many churches, so many things? But if we just think about it in our own neighborhood. We just look down the road. Whenever my wife pulls out to come here, and she sees people in the yard, and they're waving at them as they're going by, they're just hanging out in the yard, throwing the ball with their son. We're all on the way to church, and they're hanging out, right? We know this If you ever take a Sunday off and uh, do the online thing, okay, then you know there's a lot of folks that they don't go to church anywhere. They don't have that support. They don't have that opportunity to connect with other believers every single week for whatever the reason may be. So let's make this personal here. How many of you all live in the 35242 zip code? Anybody live here? Okay, 35242, that's where I live. And if you, uh, if you live in there, then 72% of our neighbors are unchurched in 35242. Anybody live in Pelham? Anybody live in Pelham here? Okay, okay. All right, a couple folks, okay. If you live in Pelham, 68% in this city are unchurched. And that means is, again, it's not necessarily saying that they are not believers there, that 68% are not saved, but it means there's 68% of people that are not in church Regularly, And so we have a great opportunity to do that. Now, there's two different ways that we're looking at doing this. And the first and the one that we hope to do um, with the heart of our pastor to do this is the idea of replanting. I'm going to show you a picture here. This is McGahee Baptist Church. It's in Montgomery, Alabama. Now, there's a lot of churches in Montgomery as well. And this is a church that, look at that facility. Um, The picture is kind of odd, but the facility is in good shape um it, it's got uh, maybe some work that needs to be done inside maybe some landscaping stuff but it's a usable facility and yet the church that was inside of it was really struggling along really walking through hardship was not able to be really impactful to the community so what they have done is they said we need new leadership and an infusion of new people to come in and to help us replant and restart this church at the beginning of this year First Sunday of this year, or I think it was January 8th actually, they relaunched this church, new name, new leadership to reach and impact that community to breathe new life into it. This is the kind of idea of what we're talking about when we're saying replanting a church is looking for a church that's struggling and getting there before it shuts its doors forever. I drive my son to Oak Mountain Elementary School every single day, Monday to Friday. And as I drive along there in that 35242 area where there's so many people that need to know Jesus and need a local church, I drive past a church that the windows are falling in, the doors have fallen in, the building is dilapidated, and I think to myself, that place has been yielded to history and dust and time. And one time there was a vibrant church there. And what if before it got to that place, what if someone else were to come along and say, you know what? We can help this church to be effective once more for this community. Um, there are a lot of churches closing their doors. In fact, since Sunday when Danny mentioned that, um, our members have brought to uh, to our attention at least three churches that are kind of right there in that, that process of shutting doors. And without getting a lot of logistics there, there's reasons sometimes why you can intervene and sometimes why you can't intervene. But we're looking and praying that God would give us an opportunity to help churches become vibrant again that are struggling in our area. The other opportunity is to plant churches. Now, you may not know this church, but you may know some of their leadership. This is essential church. Um, It's up in Huntsville. There are some of our GIC folks. In fact, you'll be able to meet um, some of their um, folks that will be down here for GIC. But they're in Huntsville, and there's a lot of churches in Huntsville, but they discovered that there was a pocket of people that were being underserviced and needing to be reached in the Huntsville area. And so they have just been able to get this facility to do some renovations inside, and they've been able to launch and have their meetings there now. That's, again, what we're looking at doing. Perhaps there is an area where we can start a brand new group and to be able to jump in and to plant something. And truly, this is not something that is completely new to Shades Mountain. I want to show you a church. This may may be familiar to you. Anybody driven past that church on 459 before? Anybody know about that church, Lakeside Baptist Church that's over there? What you may not know is the backstory of that church is back in the 1950s, a group of people at Shades Mountain Baptist Church said, You know what? We think not that far away from us, there is a group of people that need to be reached for the gospel, and so we're going to start a new work. And they started. Lakeside Baptist Church out of Shades Mountain Baptist Church. Now, this wasn't a church split. It wasn't like a bunch of people got angry. In fact, to my knowledge, and uh, Pastor Danny can correct me afterwards if I'm wrong, I don't think Shades Mountain's ever had a church split. This was a group that they said, hey, what we're going to do is we want to start something new because we believe that if we start something now, it can impact this area for generations. And now for 60 years, you have a church that's been able to disciple people, to see people baptized, to see families changed, to see people saved, and to have a significant influence in that corner of our community because a handful of people at Shades Mountain Baptist Church said, yeah, we want to do this. And we hope to be able to be a part of something like that in our community again through this idea of community engagement. So that's starting new works. But let me just tell you, The whole idea and the real reason why I'm bringing all this is to bring it to a head. The whole point of us doing these efforts is so that we will have greater opportunity to share with individuals. And by that I mean share the gospel with individuals. To share our faith so that people can cross the line of faith and meet Jesus as Lord and Savior. So we can make more disciples in our area. Because again, there are a lot of people in our area that need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So what I want to talk to you about briefly tonight is engaging evangelism, engaging evangelism. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to that passage of Scripture that we just read up here on the screens. It's Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, and we're going to start off in verse 9. And hey, by the way, as we're as you're turning there, if you have a question specific to evangelism, specific to somebody maybe you're trying to reach or maybe about, um, you know, is this even a viable thing? Why do we do evangelism? Maybe I'm not even cut out for this. If you have any questions as we go along or any questions right from the get-go, jot those down and we will have a few minutes at the end for Q&A and I'd love to answer your questions. But let me just show you from Scripture Uh, This passage of scripture that's familiar to many of us. And let's walk through this and put on kind of the lenses the idea of engaging evangelism. Let's see what it says here. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now that's a familiar passage of scripture to us, right? We understand That at some point, if you want to embrace Jesus, Lord, and Savior, that it is a decision. That you do have to choose it. And that Paul says here, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved, right? So it's not something that the Lord just blesses you with salvation. You have a part in it that you have to actually receive that free gift of salvation, right? Then let's keep on going. Verse 11 says this, For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody like that verse? I like that verse right there. Everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know why I like that verse? Because I'm one of those people that has called upon the Lord. And he says, I will not be put to shame. He says that I will be saved. That I have the assurance as one person who has put their faith in Jesus, that I will be saved because I've called upon the name of the Lord, I've called upon the name of Jesus. And hopefully, for all of us in this room, you've done that as well. But that verse also reveals to us a reality that Paul also understood as he was writing it, that if everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, that there are also people that don't call upon the name of the Lord. They don't know the name of the Lord. And according to this, if everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, well then, the opposite must also be true, right? Everyone who does not call upon the name of the Lord cannot be saved. So how does Paul respond to this? Well, he responds in verse 14 by saying this, But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of the of those who preach the good news. The idea here of being this, that hey, if those who don't know Jesus, don't know the name of the Lord, they can't call upon the name of the Lord unless they have heard, then we need to be speaking to them, preaching to them. By the way, when he's talking about preaching here, he's not talking about preaching, you know what I mean? He's talking about proclaiming the gospel. And how are they to go unless they are sent? I don't know if you kind of caught on to a theme here recently at Shades Mountain, but we are all about living sent, right? Right? That's why we all have our cool blue bands right now, right? We're all about living sent. You can't use the excuse anymore, that I don't know if my church wants to send me anymore. Yeah, we do. We're all about that. And how are they to go unless they are sent? So you have been sent, and our choice is to go. Now, you are god's plan a for saving this community not that you save them and of yourself but for being the witness to tell people how they can be saved by calling upon the name of the lord and according to scripture there is no plan b we are the witnesses that carry the gospel to people to others and there is no plan B to this whole thing. It's not like, well, if you guys choose not to do it, then I want to send the angels, and they'll go down there, and they'll split the sky open, and they'll just start going around door to door witnessing. That's not the way that it works. God chooses in his divine wisdom to work through human beings to carry the gospel to the world. And we have responsibility in this. Now, there's a guy named Dr. Bruce Ashford brilliant guy. He's a professor at Southeastern. And he says that there's really three responses to this whole reality check that we are God's plan A and there is no plan B. Three responses to this. Either A, you'll choose not to like that idea. And so you'll just change your beliefs. And you'll just say, well, I don't know, maybe there's other ways to God besides just Jesus, right? Or, well, maybe... Maybe there's another way besides us sharing our faith in the gospel that people can embrace faith somehow out there. But to believe those things is to step out of the clear teachings of Scripture. So you can change your beliefs and you can step outside the realm of what the Bible lays out for us in black and white, but you are stepping outside of what God has explicitly stated in that point. So you can change your beliefs. The second option, he says, you can have is you can let your heart grow cold and callous to lostness all around you. And you can just choose to say, you know what, I just choose not to think about it. I choose not to think about where my neighbor is going. I choose not to think about where my coworker is going. I choose not to think about where the other kids on my son's ball team are going. I choose not to think about everyone's eternal destiny. And you just kind of let it go by. I've been reading a fascinating book called Amazing Grace. It's about William Wilberforce, and it's about him abolishing the slave trade in England, and really single-handedly bringing the whole idea of slavery and churning it away from England's history. But you know, it took him decades and decades to do it. And you know why? It's not because people were like, just A-OK, we love slavery. It's just because they were indifferent to it. They just didn't care that there were human beings being trafficked around the world and forced into labor and dying in mass because they couldn't see it and didn't want to think about it all the time. I just would submit to you, humbly, that sometimes I am like that. I don't think about the fact there are people around me that have an eternal destiny. And maybe you're like me. But I don't think Scripture allows us to just let our hearts grow cold to this reality. So A, we can choose to change what we believe, and what the Bible clearly teaches, or B, we could just grow cold and callous to it, or C, he says you can choose to engage in God's mission and choose to be one of those people that shares the gospel with other people. And that's exactly what Paul was trying to point out here. He said, hey, if it makes you a little uncomfortable that those who don't call upon the name of the Lord will not be saved, well then we've got to go. We've got to be sent. We've got to open our mouth and speak and proclaim and preach the gospel to others. So tonight, with the remainder of my time, I just want to really practically lay out for you some tips about how you can do this, about how you can engage evangelism and how you can have these conversations and some ways to go about it. Very practical stuff, easily accessible for all of us. And I want you to remember in the context of this conversation that this isn't just a one-time thing. If you remember, we've been talking about measures around here uh, quite a bit. You remember? Did anybody know what some of those measures are? Anybody off the top of your head? Can anybody remember one? Do you have a 2 am friend? That's a good one. What was one over here? Have you met with God today? That's a good one. What's another one? Anybody? Is my passport current? Yeah, that's a good one. There was one, are you near to someone far from God? You know, for all of us, that's a question we've got to keep in front of us. It's part of the journey for us. This isn't one thing that we're going to do now, and then when this you know, next chapter is over, then we'll kind of leave this in the dust. No, this is something that, as a church, we're rallying around. This idea of getting near to people far from God and introducing them to who Jesus is. All right, here's the first practical tip for you, okay? First of all, spiritual conversation should flow naturally out of who you are. Spiritual conversation should flow naturally out of who you are, okay? For some people, when they think about evangelism, they think it has to happen in this this fashion. You know, I go to Walmart, I'm in the checkout line, I'm waiting for my turn, and the lady's looking at me, and she's like, okay, next. And so she takes it, and you go, boop, boop, and you're like, okay, okay, okay. Do you know Jesus? You know what I mean? And just kind of throw it out there. And that's like evangelism by word vomit, okay? That's uh, not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just normal, everyday conversation with people. So what this could look like is like this. Maybe you have a coworker, and maybe you see them every Monday and maybe you always ask the same question. How was your weekend? Oh, it was good. Well, what did you do? And they'll tell you, oh, you know, I went down to the game and then we got back late. And, you know, on Sunday, just did a little yard work, whatever. What did you do this weekend? Because they always ask that question back. It's not polite if you don't, right? Just in case you didn't know, you always got to ask it back. Well, you say, yeah, you know, we had this ball game. My son had this ball game that we went to, and it was good. And then we did the same kind of thing, yard work. And then, you know, we were at church on Sunday morning. Our pastor's in this great series. He's talking about eternity, which really made me think about, you know, kind of where do we go after all this thing ends? You see how natural that was? You see how it's just me talking about my weekend? And I didn't have to, like, throw it up on somebody. I just put it in my normal conversation. I didn't have to press them for a decision about what they believe about attorney. I just introduced something spiritual in the conversation. And maybe you've got kids, right? Oh, yeah, the same conversation you always have when you go and you're hanging out at a park or a playground. And, hey, what are your kids into right now? Oh, yeah, you know, my kids, they're into baseball, basketball, football, and the whole deal. What are your kids into right now? Oh, you know my kids? Yeah, they're the same kind of thing. They do baseball. They do uh, basketball, the whole deal. And my kids are also there at this really cool music program at our church on Wednesday nights. It's just a, it's a really neat thing. Kind of teaches them a little bit about the Bible and that kind of thing. So it's cool. That's what they're into right now. See how easy it is? I just told them something about us. I didn't press them on anything. I just introduced something spiritual in conversation about my church or about my beliefs. And you just kind of flow through it. And if you don't make it awkward, it's probably not going to be awkward. Most people are not waiting for you to bring up something spiritual so they can just strike you down, right? Most people are more polite than that, and also people are, like, more refined than that, right? So when you say, yeah, we're at church this weekend, oh, oh, we cannot be friends anymore, you know, like, i got to move to the next cubicle over and start packing up, i got to quit this business, you know, that's probably not going to happen to you. Because it's kind of normal that people go to church, right? At least around here in Birmingham, Alabama. So it's easy for you to infer spiritual things to the conversation. So let spiritual conversation flow naturally from who you are now as part of this just some sub points um when you're talking with somebody and, and this just goes to be normal conversation suggestions ask questions to the other person you know what people's favorite subject is themselves right if you just want to start a conversation you ask them about themselves and then naturally they're going to ask you questions as well but while they're talking like listen to them and you know what have genuine interest in them as a human being, okay? People are not a project. They're people. And you want to build relationships with people, whether you're meeting them for the first time or whether you've been neighbors with them for 20 years. Show a genuine interest in where they're at. And then when it's appropriate and an opportunity presents itself, introduce something spiritual in the conversation. If nothing else, at least they'll know where you're at in things. Now, here's the second thing. Tell your story when the opportunity arises. Tell your story when the opportunity arises, what I mean by that is tell them what's happened in your life, what God has done for you. And here's the reality for many of you. You're going to get close enough with somebody that you're going to be able to have this conversation naturally. And you'll be able to talk about, oh, my goodness, your mom is walking through um, a, a, an illness. And that's really it's hard. I remember when my own mother walked through that as well. Uh, if I didn't have my faith in Christ, I don't know what I would have done. And you get a chance to talk about what God did for you in that situation. Or whatever other situations you have. But tell your story. Talk about what God's done for you. In fact, all of us need to be on the ready to actually talk about how God has saved us. How he has changed our lives. You know, the Bible tells us we need to be ready in season and out of season with that response, right? And so I'm just going to give you a very simple, and this is, again, none of this is revolutionary, but a very simple kind of uh, strategy for your testimony. Here's the first part. Talk about what it was like B.C., before Jesus, all right? Before Christ entered in your life. Then talk about how Jesus changed your life. And then talk about how your life has been since you met Jesus. Now, I hope you took good notes. Because you're about to do this at your tables. And if you're not at tables, you're going to just kind of loop around to the person behind you there. This is going to be a real-life practical drill. I hope everybody in the mood has a testimony. If not, glad you're here tonight, right? Because we're going to share this with each other. For just the next few minutes, the next five minutes... I want a couple of folks to circle up with everyone else around here, and I want at least one or two of you to take this opportunity to talk about how Jesus changed your life, what your life was like before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and what your life has been like since. Five minutes, three, two, one, go, and I'll call us back together when we're done. All right? Go ahead and group up. I want to pull us back together here. Hey, sometimes it's just good for even us as believers to know where each other are at. You may have known another believer for 20 years and never actually known uh, how they met Jesus, how they actually began this relationship with him in the first place. Hey, one just tip on your testimony, and there's a lot of things we could talk about here, but just one tip. Don't make the mistake in your testimony of after you accept Jesus to talk about, you know, it's all been sunshines and rainbows and unicorns since I met Jesus, right? Here's the reality. Christians still get cancer. Christians still walk through hard times and deep waters. And sometimes you need to say that to people as you're telling them your testimony. Because the difference you can say is, is that no matter what's happened to me since I've met Jesus, I know that he's always been with me. He's walked me through every hardship, through every sorrow since he changed my life. And so use your testimony. And the other cool thing about your testimony is, is that nobody can argue with your experience, right? So you have the opportunity to say, "This is what's been uh, happened in my life. I know it's real for me." And people are generally pretty open to you telling a story about yourself and perhaps one of the most important things that's ever happened to you in your life. And then, not only do you need to be ready to tell your story, but you need to be ready to tell God's story. This is the third uh, thing here: is you need to be ready to explain. The gospel to somebody. Be ready to explain the gospel to somebody. Now, sometimes I think we make this about as hard as rocket science, and it's really not that difficult to explain the gospel. I'm going to give you a tool tonight, and for many of you in the room, you've seen this tool before, but it bears repeating, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to utilize this. You can do this on a napkin. You can do it on a sheet of paper. Um, there's even an app for that, all right? This is called Three Circles, and here's how it starts. It starts with God's design. God's design. You know, there's a lot of other methods out there, and a lot of them start with sin. I like that this one starts with God's design. So you're not starting by saying, you're just a sinner and you're going straight to hell. You know what I mean? Like you're starting with God's design that he made each and every one of us for a beautiful relationship with him. He made each and every one of us in his own image. He made each and every one of us infused with a sense of purpose and gifting for him and for his glory. That was his design. But what happened is, is that sin has entered into the world. And when you're sharing your faith, remember that not everybody understands even simple Christian words. So you may even define sin. Now, sin is simply disobeying God in any way, shape, or form. That's an easy enough definition for sin, right? Make sure you're defining this along the way. Sin has entered the world. And the reason why I love the three circles is because of the next circle. And that sin has caused brokenness. Now, up to this point, the person that you're sharing with may say, okay, God, is there really a God? Okay, sin, I don't know if I buy that, but everybody could agree that this world's pretty broken. I mean, just look around. And this is the point at which people understand, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's a cause Behind all this brokenness that we see. So brokenness. There is a big broken world. And we're all experiencing it. And the reality is. Is that we choose. To try a lot of different avenues. To heal this brokenness. But it gets us further and further away. From what God desires. And what can actually heal. And bring back this relationship with God. And wholeness. So. This could be relationships, and this could be substance, and this could be achievement or accomplishment or fill in the blank. No matter how much you pursue some of these things, there's still brokenness. So how do we experience any good news in this world? How do we experience what we as Christians would call the gospel? How do we get healing from that brokenness that has entered into the world? Well... We would say that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin. There's one Bible verse that I think is helpful to this three circles. It's Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Well, The wages of sin has brought brokenness. It has earned us brokenness. But God wants to give you the free gift of a restored relationship with him because he's paid your penalty in your place on the cross. That's why, as Christians, we celebrate the cross. So the natural question is, how do I get that? How do I get from brokenness to this good news? Well, it happens through repentance, repenting, And believing. Repenting and believing. Repenting means turning to God. That's literally what it means. It means turning 180 degrees to God. Surrendering your life to Him. And believing. And just so you are clear when you're describing this, it's not believing that Jesus did these things. It's believing in Jesus to forgive you of your sins because He has died on the cross for you. You see there's a difference between believing that there are things that Jesus did and placing my faith in in Jesus. That's why John 3.16 says, uh, for God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever may believe in Him may have eternal life. So repent. Turn to God. Believe. That way you can embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. And what you'll find is, and this is the other side of Jesus, the other side of knowing Him, is that as you have experienced a relationship with Him, you get back to God's design. And you have the ability through the Holy Spirit to recover what was lost in that relationship with God, and pursue your God-given purpose. You have the ability on the other side of the gospel to recover your relationship with God and pursue the purposes that he has for you. Again, this is a really simple and easy way for you to share your faith with somebody else. It took me all of, what, three and a half minutes to do that? Same thing for you, whether you've got a moment at the 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 break room or whether you've got a moment... If you are on a plane somewhere or, you know, wherever you happen to be, this is just an easy way to describe what the Christian gospel is and how someone might embrace it for themselves. Um, we did this on a Wednesday night when I was student minister um, about five months ago, and there were several students in the room that never understood the gospel before. And that night, three students gave their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know why? Because they didn't know how they could know Jesus. But a simple diagram like this made it simple to understand for them to know. If it's good enough for a seventh grader, it can work for you too, all right? And then, once you've explained the gospel, don't just leave the facts on the table. Encourage them to actually embrace it with their life. Encourage them to pray and to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to put their faith in them right there. Now, I'm not saying you have to hard sell people, okay? If the door is shutting, don't put your foot in there, okay? And I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this, is that after you share this, say, you know what? This is available to you right now now, this minute. In fact, I would be honored if I could just pray with you and help you confess your sin to God and confess your need of Him and to ask Him to be your Lord and Savior, to ask Him to forgive you and to say that I'm ready to surrender my life to you, Jesus. I would be happy to lead you in that prayer if you're ready right there. It doesn't have to be a repeating prayer. You can just sit there and say, now now confess your sin to God right now and that person can confess their sin. Now, trust Jesus and say you're willing to put your faith in what he's done on the cross and let them pray that. You can lead them through this prayer and have the opportunity for them to begin a relationship with Jesus. And i got to tell you, if you've never had the opportunity to do that before, when you see it happen and somebody genuinely puts their faith in Jesus Christ, what's amazing is after it's happened, you get to see the Holy Spirit flood into a person's life. You get to see the light bulb come in. And you get to see somebody become newborn spiritually it's an awesome awesome thing i think it's something that each and every person in this room could be a part of in fact let me just say this i think sometimes we think evangelism is only for the people that are gifted in evangelism but that's just not true evangelism is for all of us it's on all of us to engage in the people that god has put in our sphere of influence for all of us to talk with them you know From time to time, I'll have people, because I do a lot of this kind of stuff and train people in evangelism, they'll say, you're just gifted in evangelism. Actually, I told Danny Meadows this not not long ago. I'm actually not. Actually, if I do all the spiritual gift inventories, that kind of thing, it's never even in my top three or my top five. But I know that I'm called to it, just like all of us are called to it. I know that simple tools like this make it easier for someone like me to have this conversation with someone who needs to believe in Jesus. So tonight, I want to encourage all of us, to take some of these practical tools that we've talked about, to begin allowing spiritual conversation to come out of the natural overflow of who you are, to begin looking for opportunities to share your story, and to begin sharing the gospel with Jesus and calling people to respond to him. Pray for this. In fact, I'm going to dare you to pray a prayer. But don't pray unless you really want to have it happen. Starting tomorrow morning, get on your knees before the Lord and say, God, today... Would you open up an opportunity for me to share my faith? Now watch out, because God wants to answer that prayer for you. And he wants to make you bold to be able to do this right here. So let's begin praying that way, Shades, and let's see what God can do with that. All right? Hey, um, Bradley, how much time have we got for questions, buddy? Do we have any, or have I run way over here? Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Anybody have any questions about? Yeah,
1: any questions about what you talked about first or Evangelism, any of that? Okay, we got one down here.
2: Hey, Hey, I'm Linda. Hi, Linda. Um, One thing I run into is is that it sort of needs another little circle after you've talked with them to give them ideas of how to pursue,
1: as you said,
2: the, um, in other words, would you like to come to my church or Mm -hmm. would you like to learn more about this uh, other than just, you know, the decision part of it? Because I find sometimes, I think Dr. Carter was uh, very good in saying stuff about um, when people say, well, I don't need to go to church. He'd say, well, are you like the log that's rolled out of the fire? You're going to burn a little bit, but you're eventually going to go out. So you really need to find a church (laughs) home where you can be the log with the fire. That's right. So sometimes I find it really hard to get to that phase Mm -hmm. of, oh, yeah, sure, I'm going to do that. Well, okay, let me tell you about a church or here's some literature you can read and and go on to that kind of an area. So. Have you got any suggestions about Absolutely. that coworker? You know, you want to meet him for lunch and talk about this again later? Or?
0: Absolutely. That's a great, great point. I hope you all kind of heard what you said there. So the question is, like, how do you begin following up with them? And by the way, you're not just calling people then, amen. Well, God bless you, brother. Good luck in your new life in Jesus. And you're walking off and, you know, you're, you're never following up with them. Um, part of our whole... Uh, Part of what Jesus has called us to is to make disciples, which means more than just sharing just this and walking across the, face, uh, the line of faith, but helping them actually become a mature follower in Jesus. So some things that I would just suggest that, that are really helpful. One, um, they do need to be a part of a body of believers, whether that's here or elsewhere. Um, We've got a pretty good one here, though. Um, I would encourage you, if you're having this conversation, to say, all right, I would really love to bring you to my church. I'll, I'll meet you out front. I'll take you to lunch afterwards, and I want to be your personal guest and personal invitation to come to my church to experience what God has had, has for you there in a body of believers. The reason why I say that, if you just say, you should come by my church sometimes, it's just real easy to, to, to not do that. It's kind of like, you ever had that conversation in the hallways at church? You know what I'm saying? Hey, we should get together sometime. Yeah, we should get together sometime. And then it never happens, right? You know, the reason why is you never put a date on the calendar. So maybe you say to that person, Hey, tell you what, why not this Sunday? Are you out of town? Maybe in two weeks. Let's just plan on it. Let's make a day of it. Y'all come. We'll go to the 930 service. We'll grab lunch afterwards, and then you can have the rest of your day on Sunday. But I'd love for you to come. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is, because you're responsible for that person, kind of because you've led them to Christ, is to place some things in their hand that they may not already have. If they don't have God's Word, make sure that they have God's Word. Make sure they get a copy of it. If they do have God's Word, then encourage them to begin reading. And I always encourage new believers to read the Gospels because they're relatively easy to understand, they're narratives, and they talk a lot about Jesus, this person they'd be in a relationship with. So you want to encourage them to do that? And don't just encourage them towards that. Is Follow up with them in a couple of weeks. Hey, you know, I don't know if you've had a chance to read some of the Gospels there, but, um, but I'd love to encourage you that. There was this guy... Um, that came to Discover Shades uh, a few weeks back or a few months ago and accepted the Lord as as Savior. And I encouraged him to read the Gospels. Uh, I followed up with the next day, he's like, you know, I've been doing that Gospels thing too. I've read Matthew and Mark so far. I was like, wow, you really took that seriously. Okay, good. Keep going. Um, So encourage them to get into God's Word and then pray not only for them, pray with them. But say, hey, I want to encourage you to begin praying. And I would love to actually pray with you some. And that could be as easy as, hey, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll call you tomorrow. We'll talk just for five minutes, and then we'll kind of pray her over the phone, and then you can go on, but that way you kind of get them in the habit of prayer. Just some practical ways. Think about it this way. When a baby is born, what do you do with it? You don't just sit it at the table and say, all right, eat. you got to cradle it. you got to put the food right there next to their mouth, and you got to be able to feed them. Same thing is true with the new believer. You've got to come alongside them and really spoon-feed them how to get into these Christian disciplines, how to get into community, and how to become part of the family, okay? Is that helpful at all to you? Okay, great. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He was just talking about live streaming. You have a great opportunity to get people to live stream and to watch our church services online. In fact, one of the things that we're about to do, we're about to uh, make available some new neighbor kits. If you have a new neighbor moves moves into your neighborhood, you can contact the church. We'll have these beautiful um, new neighbor baskets uh, that you can bring to them. And that inside each one of those new neighbor baskets is an Experiencing God devotional. On the very front cover, there's a link to Danny's message series from uh, Experiencing God. So they'll be able to watch all the messages that are in there. And so they can experience, begin to experience what our church is about through watching us. Online. Let me say something else. Some of you, you travel a lot and you wonder if I have a conversation with somebody and they're going off to a different part of the world, how do I make sure they get to be a part of community? You're blessed to be part of a Southern Baptist Church. And as being a Southern Baptist Church, we've got great churches in most cities all across America if you'll reach out to your ministerial staff, we would love to help introduce you to churches that are great. If you're in Tampa, Florida, or whether you're doing business out on the West Coast, wherever you're at, we can help find a church where you can get that person the name of a great church that they can follow up with. And most of those churches, you can even contact ahead and say, hey, so-and-so may be showing up, and they'll be ready to receive them when they get there.
1: Any other questions? Steve, I have a question. Yeah. I like to read. Yeah. Uh, Do you have... Maybe two or three book suggestions on evangelism that you've read.
0: So grateful that you asked that question. Um, So a couple of great books. If you want to dive in and know a little bit more about the gospel, I highly recommend The Explicit Gospel by uh, Matt Chandler. It's a fantastic book, um, and I think you'll really enjoy that. Um, also would encourage you, um, if you're looking for some really practical things about how to live out your faith, Life on Mission uh, by Aaron Coe and some of the folks over at North American Mission Board. is a great book that uh, I would encourage you. That's a fast read. You could get it done in a couple of days or a week. Um, also, there's, this is an old book. It's a little dated, but it's helpful. Um, how to Become a Contagious Christian by Bill Hybels. And if you ever wonder, how do I turn the conversation, like I'm not really sure how to even start down this pathway. Bill Havel's book on how to become a contagious Christian is a great starting point for how you begin turning those conversations. One more, Um, this book is really elementary, but it's helpful. If you have um, people from different worldviews that you're trying to share your faith with, people that maybe are coming from an agnostic point of view, people coming from an atheist point of view, Uh, two books I would recommend, Dare to Share, um, by a guy named Greg Steer. Um, and also another book um, by, that was edited together by our very own Scott Dawson. Um, it's called the Evangelism Handbook, and he has sections in there written by people um, that have come from those worldviews and come to faith in Christ, and how to share with those that um, need to know Jesus from those worldviews as well. So, yep, that'd be good.
1: Cool. All right, I think we should transition to uh, table groups. So, uh, the questions we're going to talk about tonight are five, thirteen, and nineteen. Uh, and you have those on your table, and they're going to be on the screen here. So <clears throat> we're going to do something a little bit different actually. So instead of uh, closing in a communal prayer, uh, what we're going to ask you guys to do in your groups at the end, so once you walk through the questions, uh, if if you guys will uh, mention one person that you would that you know that doesn't know Jesus or that you would like the opportunity to share the gospel with, uh, if you can think of one person, share that person, uh, whether that's just initials or first name or whatever, and then uh, pray around around the table for those, for those people. And then once you do that, you guys will be uh, dismissed. So thanks for coming tonight, and uh, we'll be back next week. Jacob, who is it next week? Robert Smith. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good, Steve. Uh, yeah, so be back next week. Uh, have a, a really great conversation with Dr. Smith. So thanks, guys.